So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. Real estate is only about two things, cycles and population growth. Having a real estate team or a brokerage is only about one thing, having quality people that sell more houses. Today, we're going to unpack on the recruiting code how these two are helping people recruit hundreds, if not thousands of agents every single year so you can do the same. Emily, welcome to the show. Give them a quick bio. Who are you? Why should they listen? Uh, Emily Kettenberg, 30 years in real estate, recruited hundreds to teams, brokerages, and now are able to help thousands recruit thousands. Yes, right. But with major corporation relationships, small enterprise relationships, teams, and more. Christianos, who are you? Why should they listen and care? Yeah, my name is Christianos. I'm the co-founder and CEO of a company called Humanize. Over the last 10 years I have in this space, which isn't quite as long as I <laughs> Thanks for aging me, Chris. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> long story short, spent five years at Zillow, then built two real estate companies, recruited about 250 agents in two and a half years, now helping teams and brokerages all over the country do the same using the system that I built out. So we've got a system, we've got experience, we got 10 years, we got 30 years. So let's talk about recruiting. There is so many different ways to do it, but but I want to go very tactically. Like we actually created a list of let's just call it 19 different questions we're going to go through on this. So, you know, if you're watching this right now, buckle up. Probably plan to have this transcribed, put inside ChatGPT and say, write me a plan to do all of these things or just listen up because we're going to give it to you. So here we go. Uh, Chris, number one, what are some of the key characteristics people should be looking for when hiring or recruiting real estate agents today? I think it all depends on the avatar you're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. I think every brokerage and team is going to have a different type of avatar that they yes. focus on. So I think first and foremost, before they even do anything, they should get clear on what those avatars are like, right? It's the same way you would think about trying to target different avatars of buyers and sellers in the marketplace, right? right? One size does not truly fit all, right? Yes. So I think it's getting clear on what your avatar looks like and then figuring out what that person's looking for. Each group is going to have a different value prop that's really important to figure out. So most people might be thinking, you know, luxury. They might be thinking new agents. They might be thinking underperforming agents, depending upon broker metrics or whatever you're looking at. You know, is the arrow going up, flat or down? But I want to give it to you on the flip side. And then Emily, I want your answer. I think the other way to look at it is, is what kind of agents do I not want? And if you can list out the things you don't want, then you just reverse it because, you know, I really want this. But sometimes it's easier to say, I don't want underperformers. I don't want people yep. that aren't coachable. I don't want people that don't follow the guidelines. I don't want people that don't show up to the office. You make up that list and then you reverse it to the positive. Emily, what are the characteristics you're teaching people they should be looking for as you're doing these workshops? I agree with Chris. I would say mission, vision, core value, and mm -hmm. then avatar, mm -hmm. making yes. sure that they know what they're recruiting to. Yes. And then who that perfect person is versus who the not so perfect person is. Yeah. So I think it really depends on what you're building. Okay. I love it. I love it. So let's go to question number two. Can you share your process for identifying potential talent on your team? So what's your process? I would say that you lean into, you know, real estate's relationship business built on trust. Recruiting mm -hmm. is the same thing. The commodity yes. in real estate's the house. In recruiting, it's the person. Yeah. So you need to make sure that that person is going to fit within 
yes. the cultural experience. And I think you have to ask really great questions. Okay. That's the only way that you're going to dive through. Okay. You got something more on that? Yeah. So I've kind of figured out, I have one question that I like to ask during like an initial phone screen. Yes. And yes. I've talked to a lot of team leaders recently, a lot of broker owners and stuff, and they usually have this laundry list of questions, right? And it's like, if you're having an initial conversation with someone and you throw up 30 questions like this, are you actually interviewing them or are you interrogating them? Right. right? Absolutely. So I have one question and this is kind of a Jedi mind trick, right? But asking them one simple thing, tell me a little bit about your real estate life as of lately, right? And that question only goes one of two ways. It either goes constructive, which is, hey, I'm not getting the support I need from the brokerage I'm at now. I feel like I could be doing more. I'm working really hard, but nothing's really happening. I'm okay with that answer. Right. Right. The other answer we call broker shaming, right? right? Which is, hey, my broker sucks. I'm not getting the help I need. It's everyone else's fault but my own. Yes. Right. That yes. question right there tells me everything I need to know if I want to continue talking to that person. I don't know which avatar they're going to fall under yet. Mm -hmm. Right. But that simple thing tells me, do they fit the culture that I have on my team right now? And if they answer that question correctly, I'm going to talk to them. My hypothesis is if somebody broker shames their current broker, they're going to broker shame you when they leave. But am I, am I inaccurate in that? Like six you, months. Yeah. Like <laughs> do you, do you sort of automatically diss that person or, or could there be a kernel of truth inside there and they're just being vulnerable? Do you want to? I think that there could be a kernel of truth. I think you have to peel back the onion, Yeah. but I agree a hundred percent. And you know, also when the conversation, the initial conversation is about compensation, if they're coming to you for a nickel, they're going to leave someone else for six cents. Right. Yeah. Right. So. I think right. it's important just to listen as yes. to, I think as we do these interviews and stuff, we sometimes get in emotions, right? Yes. And it just turns into like, oh, I'm just going to talk and blah, blah, blah. Really listen to what they're saying because they'll tell you if it's constructive. Yes. Hey, I'm on a team now. The guy's great, but he doesn't really give me what I need. That's an okay answer. Right. If it's these leads suck that I'm getting and my splits trash and the right. broker's There's late. No opportunities here, you know, the favoritism, whatever. Yeah. I've seen it in six months. They'll be saying the same thing when they yeah. move to the next team. Well, this this is perfect because the next question is how do you ensure a cultural fit when considering somebody for your team? You talked about mission, you know, mission, vision, values. So how do you determine if they're the right cultural fit? Well, I think you have to hire to what it is that your culture is. So if you don't have the culture defined first, you shouldn't be hiring yet. So if I yeah. don't have it defined and, and there's a there's a pretty good there's a pretty good thought that the person listening right now might say, Yeah, you know, we did that exercise a long time ago. Like we Redo really it. haven't it, like Redo. it's really not as as significant today, but I need to recruit more. And if you don't know the values that you're, you know, you're really putting out or the culture that you want. So so give us some insight in your opinion, Chris, and then Emily, back to you. How do I identify like what is my culture really? Implement EOS and do quarterlies. <laughs> that's my Okay, but that okay, so that's that's more of an operating system. That's you know, four disciplines, you yeah, know, but part of EOS. that falls under like having what your core values are and what yes. your actually identity as yes. a company is. Yep. Right. We're still in the first six months of implementing EOS, yeah. so I can't speak super intelligently yeah. about it. But yes. I think really sitting down and going, what do I want people to speak? externally about my team like, right? right? When, it, when someone asks what it's like to be on my team, do I want them to talk about all the leads and stuff we give them or how great the splits are? Right. Or do I want them to talk about what it feels like to actually work here, yes. right? So I think that's as simple as just whiteboarding it with your team. Sit right. down and go through like, what do we want people to be externally communicating and what is coming top down? I think that it starts purely from the top. How you present yourself is how the rest of the team is going to present yes. itself. Uh, an exercise was once done with myself and my team where they asked everybody in the organization, when it works here, what's it like? I, I love that. that. And when it doesn't work here, what's it like? 
And we listed that out and we we're like, well, clearly we want to do the opposite of that. And we want to do this. And we were able to then synthesize that down to four things. And we said, okay, this is what we're hiring to. Got something different. I we would got a even lot to get challenge, yeah. see what your consumers have said about you. Oh yeah. So uh, when your, I first read, started read building my first, yeah. it was take the reviews, word cloud them. Then at that right. point, right. what I did they that. say about us? Right. I because then you know what everyone else is saying about you. Right. And that brings clarity to what you really provide because otherwise- you know, you're coming up with these great things, but if that's right. not what the consumer feels about right. you, it doesn't match. That's how I did the original Strategy Matters Passion Rules. I asked Remember? Like 10 seminars in a yeah. row. Could you guys just write down like one or two words that would best describe? And like back then it was like literally handwritten. Yeah. Like, and somebody had to go through and go like, okay, like 97 said this and 100 said oh, this, man. but a thousand said this. And we're like, what did they say? Tom Ferry, strategy. And then Tom Ferry, passion. And I was like, oh, Strategy Matters Passion Rules. There's the company. And now exactly. ChatGPT will do it in and 35 exactly. seconds. Exactly. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. So let, let's switch to how do you approach onboarding and training when agents are joining the team? And that is a big question, Oof. but give, give us some insight on onboarding and training because we can recruit people like crazy, but if we don't onboard them right and train them right, it was for nothing. Absolutely. So the goal is to hire people who can and will produce. Yes. Bottom line. Yes. So I think the onboarding is very important. Mm -hmm. To me, onboarding is systematizing that first piece and that first week, what that looks mm -hmm. like. Okay. And then from a training standpoint, in my opinion, it's a 30, 60, 90. Mm -hmm. And if by the 90, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Lean right. in and have that conversation. Right, right. So go even deeper, because you, you know, I was just thinking about yeah. what we just shared in Cabo recently, but don't go that deep, because no. that took 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that was, there was no time limit, it was great. No, no. Uh, so the sing, if I was going to say the single most impactful thing you can do right. with training and onboarding right now is get strategic about when you're doing it, right? I talked to a gentleman in the ecosystem actually yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, I hire an agent and then I train them over the course. Like they come in, I just train them. Too and long. then I hire another agent the next week and I start training them. And I'm like, dude, I said for the first, for first Monday of every month for the rest of the year, you're going to put this in your calendar, right? And the first Monday of every month for the rest of the year, you're going to have an onboarding started. Your right. goal is to have five butts in those chairs, right? right? And you're just right. going to do it for a full week, nine to one, Monday through Friday, and just hit it hard, but consistently yeah. and like plan it in advance, Yes, right? He's like, his eyes were like blown out of his head, right? So I did a project for a CEO of a very large company. Um, and I'm not going to say his name in fairness to him, no disrespect, but just in fairness. He came to me and he said, could you rewrite our new agent training? And I said, didn't you just like 15 minutes ago tell me you had the single greatest new agent training on the planet? And he said, <laughs> I did. But then I caught myself and realized that my failure rate is exactly like everybody else's. Not good. So I said, well, why don't you guys send me over whatever you guys currently do? And I get like four boxes and I'm like, what is all, I mean, it's just like, here's our tech stack. Here's all of our marketing. Here's our mortgage company. Here's our title yeah. company. Here's our escrow. Here's our management is legal. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, this person just got to your team. They, they joined from an existing brokerage or they're coming in brand new. I think the only thing they care about is how do I get a client and get a commission yeah. check as quickly as possible. Look at them. Right. And I'm like, so, so what if we instead, and we just, we reimagine it basically for that, for that company's model around like three behaviors, three sets of scripts. Yep. Right. And then go to your mentor or your manager for contracts. And get in the field, get them in, get the, them field. in the field. Do not get them behind the computer. They have to get in the right. field. Here's an email to introduce yourself to your entire database. Here's how to put your database together so we can you know, work on a CRM and all that kind of stuff. And then here's the phone calling script that you're going to use after the email to say, I'm now selling houses and I've done it. You're going to do open houses with a mentor. You're going to like, it was like literally just, it was action, 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 action. And, and, you know, did they have more success? Of course. 
did was there more reliant on the mentors? Of course. Did the managers wish that we were spending 17 days on legal? Of course. It all but we got people selling houses. It all falls under like three buckets, leads, training, support, right? That's Figure it. out and teach them how to generate leads, teach them how to convert those leads, right. right? And then provide support so they can create leverage in their business and do it on repeat over and over and over again. And don't take six months to put it together. Correct. Do it. And then, then as you do it, adjust it. Ready, fire, What worked, aim. what didn't work, right. change it, pivot. Okay. Let's go back to, to recruiting. So one of the questions is, what are some of the most common challenges you're facing when recruiting agents and how do you address them? Now you're, you're going to speak from coaching all these people, but I want you to go back to the archives mm-hmm. of all the conversations you, you know, in two and a half years, recruited 250 agents yeah. and built a billion dollar business plus. Yep. So, so don't tell me about the humanized clients and don't tell me about your agent clients. What were the biggest challenges you faced? I think that treating it like a normal interview process was the first big mistake I made, right? I treated everyone like a W2, right? I didn't really, I came from Zillow. They taught me how to interview like right. people in a W2 setting sales reps and stuff, right? When I treated it like that and it was a big, long, drawn out process, mm-hmm. that was the first fatal mistake I made, yeah. right? So figuring out really quickly how to conduct, I, t- I coached a two-step interview process. That's what mm-hmm. I developed. That's what I worked. It works well. What is it? 15 minute phone screen. I say 15 minutes, I'm okay if they're less than a half hour, right? Mm-hmm. When I say half hour, they go for an hour. Mm-hmm. And then a face-to-face interview, right? Face-to-face, I think so many brokers and team leaders try and hard close, right? They want to sign on the spot. Mm-hmm. I take all the pressure off at the end of my face-to-face interview. It's great. If all this sounds good, I'm going to send you over an offer letter. Name another real estate team leader or broker owner that's sending out offer letters. Yeah. I'm going to send you an offer letter. If all that looks good, just reply to the email. I'll send you over a contract. 50% of the time they're like, oh, just send it over now. I'll sign it right now. Right. The other half of the time they went home, they thought about it for a little bit. 25% of that group went for it. Right. Right. But doing something different and not yes. treating it like a normal interview process yeah. really resulted if they interviewed with two or three other brokers, two or three other brokers tried to hard nose close them, slam right. that against the table, sign on the contract. I took all the pressure off. They're like, oh, I, I like that. Right. Yeah. For me, it was here's similar. When I first managed, I guess the you know, the company that shall remain nameless had a list of here's your interview questions. Right. Mm. And six months in, I'm like, I am epically failing at this. Like, right. wait a minute, I'm doing I'm something questions wrong. At people. <laughs> exactly. Yes. As, and, I re- as I read questions. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it was realizing that I use it, the dating analogy. Sometimes yeah. it's fast and furious. Sometimes it's not. Uh, but you have to ask really great questions and it has to be about them, right. not about you. So right. I was selling mm-hmm. to the to the recruit instead of serving that recruit. The right. minute I made that shift, then mm-hmm. it became so much easier because it was figure out what it is that they need. What is their challenge? Right. The minute you can solve that problem based on your office, your brokerage, or your team, you have them. Go to ahead. speak to Emily's point, you said something really important there, which is selling to them. Dating? No. Right? Go ahead. Dating. Yes. <laughs> yes. Selling to them. For our team leaders and broker owners and stuff that have operationalized and have a recruiter that's handling those calls, that recruiter should be your one of your best salespeople, right? Because that conversation is not a, it's not someone applying for a role and going through this funnel. It's a sales opportunity, right? The best teams and brokerages, and obviously myself, I think I'm a pretty decent salesperson, right? I had success because I was good at that part, right? Our teams and brokers and stuff that operationalize it with a good salesperson in place, they do an order of magnitude better. I coached a young uh, CEO when he started his new company, uh, Gino Blafari, now CEO of Home <laughs> Services. We we were the fastest organically grown real estate company in the history of real estate without buying a single person, right? Just wow. a traditional, you Bootstrap. know, typical split, but it was Monday through Friday. Everybody was on the phone. But what we found was 
because they had some relationships in the marketplace and, you know, he had sold another business and sure. had been removed by four or five years, but he still lived in the marketplace. He yeah. still knew people. The first wave was pretty easy, but the next wave required more. He, I don't know if he came up with the questions or he, you know, he got them from somebody else, but I had him on stage once and said, give me your 18 questions. And he just rattles them off. Now these 18 questions, which we'll just link up to this show. Uh, basically it's more like, Hey, you know, I know there's a lot of things we can discuss about your real estate business, but I just find in our culture that it's about like, do we like each other? Like, uh -huh. do we vibe together? Exactly. And Gina would say it differently, but that's how I would interpret it. And then he's like, so I'd like to just ask you some questions about you, you know, their favorite person, the person they love to talk about the most in a good or bad way. Yep. So it's like, tell me where you grew up. Tell me about your earliest childhood memories. Tell me about some victories in your early life. Tell me about some, you know, upsets in your early life. Tell me about the greatest thing you did professionally so far. Tell me about the biggest mistake you made. So it's just, it's all these questions. And, and it's like, they're just dialoguing about themselves. And, and he's not asking it like reading the questions. He is looking at them like, I want to know you. Conversation. I know you, yeah. you're going to like me. It's J. Abraham 101. He's like, every person that loves me, loves me because I asked them 7,000 questions and they talk about their most important it's person It's about them. Themselves. It has to be about them. That okay. part right there is so important because I think as team leaders, broker owners and stuff, we, yeah. we're naturally probably talented salespeople and we think those things come intrinsically, right? right? If you're operationalizing your business and starting to create leverage and hire right. a recruiter, right. they might not think like that purely without being taught that. So those 18 questions, that's powerful because really that teaches is. someone, that's rapport building 101, right? They might not naturally do that. Take a second and tell the listener about Humanize. Good question. So in growing our brokerage, right, we figured out that the type of avatar that was gonna work really well for us, which turns out there's all these different avatars looking, of course. right? Yes. Uh, we discovered that there's a group of people that are looking online. Right. When you go online and type in something like real estate brokerage is hiring near me, right, which is something that's searched pretty frequently. Mm -hmm. What indexes organically are all these different job boards. Yep. Right. So I had a hunch that, hmm, I wonder if I post on these things, what will happen? Right. This was back in August of 2020. For the first year we did that, all I did was post on these websites and it generated a lot of people. We're in Orange County. There's 38,000 licensed real estate agents in a 72 square mile county. Right. Yep. So it's shooting fish in a barrel. But we realized that by posting on those sites, a lot of cool stuff was going to happen. So being a team leader, I operationalized it, hired a recruiter. She was responsible for sourcing, qualifying, and scheduling face-to-face -face interviews for me. She got a job offer in September of 2022 to go work corporate at Disney. I made a decision to either spend a little bit of money up front and build out a product and software that would actually do her job or put another $6,000 a month salary on our P&L. We made the decision to spend some money on the software. We started the company by accident. Now we're in 26 states, yep. right? We've got about 70 customers we're working with. Long story short, what it does is we source candidates from all over the internet. We call, qualify them using a two-step funnel, mm -hmm. validating that they have an, a real estate license in whichever state they're looking to practice, and that they're interested in speaking to someone about joining a team or brokerage. Once they pass validation, we let them schedule an interview directly into team leader's calendar or broker's calendar. Yep. So at a high level, if you can pay attention to your calendar and pick up the phone when you're supposed to, we can set appointments for you with licensed real estate agents in your market. Without making a, a, a crazy promise, what is an expectation? Like, like I talked to Mike Hickman on a coaching session a sure. couple days ago. And, you know, here is a shout out to Mike, runs Seven Gables, one of the most productive companies in all of Orange County. When I met with Mike the very first time, he said, you know, we really don't have a culture of recruiting. We we, we just seem to naturally attract people that want to work with us. Default. Yeah, right? And, yeah. and, and 
By all stretch, he had a, he's a huge business. He's done extremely well. Coming from that market, their reputation is, that's like the yes. Ivy League of Orange County real estate. 1,000%. And he's got every player in the space, every discount broker in the space. And I said, you know, I really think we should start the managers making some phone calls. We should start the basic outreach. But it wasn't until Humanize that all of a sudden he was like, wait a minute, I just bought these three offices over here in LA. We can turn on over there. And all yeah. of a sudden he's like, so he said to me a couple of days ago, shout out to you guys. Uh, I'm a net positive on agents and I've terminated a bunch of people that no longer match our criteria or quality. And he's like, I've never been net positive after that. I've always been, he's like, so I've, I've been able to automate as one, lead, the way he describes it, one lead pillar. My managers do a bunch of other stuff, but now we have this one lead pillar that's bringing in 15, 14, 13 yep. interviews. We don't hire everybody. We get two or three. We're pretty selective. Yep. But for the person listening, like, is that a realistic expectation if they're a broker? Is that a realistic yes. expectation if they're a team leader? Where we typically align expectation is if we can deliver 10 scheduled interviews on a monthly basis, it's usually like five to seven more than our teams are producing now. Sure. Right. So exactly. we level set expectation around 10 on a monthly basis. Yeah. Most major metro markets, we blow that out of the water. Right. right. But we like to level set expectation on what's completely realistic. Right. Month after month, time after time. So right. we line expectation around 10. Hickman's in a great market, right? right. They're doing really well. Right. I'm glad to hear that they're having success He's with it. Very happy. Yeah. He's very happy. Um, do you have anybody using it? I do. Any, absolutely. Any feedback? Positive. Here, here we are live on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. You're like, actually, this person. <laughs> <laughs> do you okay. really want to know? Yes. <laughs> okay, so let's keep jamming. You ready? So um Besides humanize, what are the most effective ways to outreach and connect with potential agents, new or experienced, that are working today in this environment? Hey, it's Tom Ferry. Question, what's your favorite social media platform? Are you big on Insta? Do you love to tweet? No matter where you answer, I'd love for you to connect with me there. All you gotta do is just type in at Tom Ferry and follow and let's you and I connect. I wanna be able to deliver the right content, the right ideas, the ways to help you grow your business, stay fired up, keep moving, be in action and run plays that work and the platform that matters most to you. So subscribe and I'll see you there soon. So I think you mentioned it a minute ago. Humanize is a great lead source, right? It's a pill, I yes. call it's it a legs pill. on the table, yeah. right? You yeah. can't dance on a table with three legs. So <laughs> I think that it's it's a wonderful lead source for that. I also think that co-op agents reverse survey your own agents. Let them speak to how wonderful yes. you are versus yes. you tooting your own horn. Yep, right. um, I think those are two key lead sources. And then depending on what you like, you know, as you know, my little Italian grandmother, when you skip to work, you don't work a day in your life. That's right. So Ooh, choose from the lead sources, yeah. choose ones that you're going to enjoy because otherwise you're not going to enjoy it and you're not going to be effective at it. So with the, when we do recruiting roadmap, there's mm -hmm. like 14 different lead sources we talk about, pick the ones that you like give and then a, lean in. Just le lean in right now and just give us like what are seven or eight of the ones that are maybe not so obvious? Um, I think the reverse survey. I think that yeah. in a lot of cases, people don't do that reverse so survey. So what is that for the person that's listening? That's like, I get all those words, but what does it mean? Reverse survey is calling that co-op agent as the team leader or the broker mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. asking them three questions. First, you're asking your agents the yeah. three questions. Yeah. Was it an ordinary transaction? Did my agent go above and beyond in any way? And would you like to do another deal with us? Yeah. Ask the other agent and yeah. then about your agent. Yeah. Yeah. And then say, by the way, do you want to know what they had to say about you? And oh, of course they say yes. Yes. And then you give them the answer. And 
We should build that into humanize. Would you like to do another deal? (laughs) Nine out of 10. Yeah. They gave you a nine. Why? Only because you're not with us. You left. They left. You just broke the ice. Yeah. And then you can move forward. Oh, but that was a very important distinction. Why did I get a nine? Only because you're not with us. So so that's just, that's the opening. That's the easy one. Okay. So that's one. I'll I'll throw one out that has always been highly effective for my clients, including the guy I just mentioned. Uh, I would tell him, okay, I want every one of your office managers to go to every event, Mm -hmm. every real estate Uh training, every function. And he's like, that's a lot of time for all my managers and every and CEO open I've house. With. I want them to open oh, house too. Well, let's go events first because there's a strategy. Mm-hmm. Ready? Every training happening. I don't care who the speaker is. Tom, I'm loyal to you. I said I don't care. They're not Correct. going there for the training. They are going to identify agents that want training, mm-hmm. and you provide a lot of training. I said so. Here's what they're going to do. Seminar starts at eight o'clock, or seminar starts at nine, right? So at eight o'clock, you're there, and what do you do? You try to identify two people you already know inside the room. Chris, been forever. How's it going, man? Emily, what's the good word? Blah, 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 blah. You only go while you're there. This is at three coffee meetings, three coffee meetings. So you go, you have an hour before, you find someone that's on your team that you love. Hey, Chris, who inside this room should I know? Oh my God, you got to get to know Idris. Uh, There's two lead sources right right there. Your agents and, Right, so now I'm walking over there. Hey, oh man, you got to meet all that, blah, blah, blah. We have this little great Mm -hmm. connection, right? Man, love to go a little further for you. It's best time for us to get some coffee, man. Like he keeps telling me, get, get out of here. He keeps telling me everything about you, right? So boom, coffee meeting. Then sit through the first session. At the break, whenever he takes a break, Bingo. walk around. Hey man, what did you learn? What'd you like? What'd you learn? Mm-hmm. What'd you like? Oh my God, tell me more. And all you need is just what, another coffee meeting and then leave the seminar. Exactly. And do that every single week. Well, when you have 14 managers yeah. doing this at all these different functions, it's just, shotgun mm-hmm. marketing. It's just it's one more approach to like, there's no wrong way to do it. Emily and I were talking absolutely. about that yesterday. Like mm-hmm. the amount of work it takes to actually grow a team. Everyone has these aspirations. Like I want to grow up breakneck speed. That sounds pretty cool to yeah. most people, right? The amount of work it takes to do that. That is that right there. You want to talk about it energizes some people. It also takes the juice out of some people, right? right? right. But don't be afraid to get in those rooms and do that stuff because that is just shotgun network marketing. We used to do the right. same thing on social media. 100%. My favorite thing to do was to get an agent to give a testimonial about the brokerage yep. and collaborate with them on Instagram because then their whole network sees it and our whole network sees it, right? right? It's just shotgun mm-hmm. network marketing over yeah. and over and over again. Even okay. writing reviews for agents that did deals with your agents, uh, yeah. unsolicited, yeah. right? Whether it be their Google business page or whatever. Such right. a pleasure doing business right. with you. They did this, so the, the other thing. And then they say, wait a minute, this broker's loving me or team leader's loving right. me more than mine is. And, and then yeah. it's a come list me call, except yes. it's a, I want to come work. You with know what call. I heard Lisa Chinati say earlier, I was just downstairs talking to her and we were talking about all these different lines in the water she's got, right? She was telling me that she's circle prospects agents basically, right? right? Yes. Right. And she'll leave a voicemail. And the reason she gets a call back, she showed me a message that she'd gotten. The reason I called you back is because you're the broker and you called me. Correct. And she gets a hundred, all these agents get a hundred recruiting calls and trying to recruit outsourced call centers. The only reason she got a call back, she told me there's an agent here with her. The only Mm -hmm. reason they got a call back is because it was her that called. Right. And I was like, cool, ringless voicemail drop, just crank that thing and like it operationalize it, right? Right, right. But that right. that simple touch from yeah. the team leader, I think is so impactful. So I'm gonna go old school. Uh, a fun one that we we used a lot, and I won't name the brokerage, but you know, they will know, was we would identify like the number three, the number four, the number five agent in the office, and we would send them a video, right? A personal video via text. 
Hey, Chris, congrats on being number four inside the company. I want you to know that you're the only person receiving this video. I was on your website. I was looking at your reviews. I was looking at your social. You are a dream agent. I'm not asking you to join my brokerage, but I would just love to be your spare tire. You know that thing in the back of your car that you hope you never need, but every now and then something goes wrong and you're really happy that you have it. So I know you love your broker and I know you're kicking ass, but just know you have a fan over here who is watching everything you do. And if I could just be your spare tire, it would mean the world to me. You don't have to reply to this. And in case you're wondering, I sent this to no one else in your company. That's like that a, works a thousand percent. Be planned. Absolutely. For. That's and, a Jedi mind yeah. trick. Who doesn't, yep. who doesn't want to be loved on? Like, and then, you know, what they're, they're, Hamley, uh, did you get a video from Tom Ferry? <laughs> no. The worst thing that you they're, can do is send ask, one to everyone in the office well, at the right, same time. But, but if you actually, and you say, I was on your website, but I read this one review. Correct. And I just thought to myself, oh, he is a dream. Mm -hmm. That is my kind when of person. Think about disc assessment too with yes. normal if you've got five top agents in a brokerage, I would beg to argue that most of them are like high D, high eyes. Mm -hmm. You get a text message that says, hey, congrats on being number four. Their hair is on fire. Exactly. Fuming, like Not exactly. that I use that professionally when I work for my dad's company over and over again. <laughs> I would call people and I'd go, Emily, hey, Tom at uh, Mike Ferry's office. Uh, Notice you were number two and you've been number two for two years in a row. I think you called me on that one. <laughs> oh, I, first of all, you would, you would make people upset. Oh, what do you mean God. I'm number two? Mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, so I was looking at the MLS data and I showed that you're number two and you've been number two for like two years in a row. Now, I'm not saying this is for you, but we have an opportunity and I was just going to like, I, and to start this conversation, I go, and by the way, it's totally cool. If you don't want to take advantage of this, uh, Chris, who's number three is my next call. Mm hmm and I mean, I was a devil. Like I would yeah. say that stuff hey, to people yeah. and they were just like, okay, tell me again, what? like what's going on? It Cause it was like, a, it was like a referral network. Like, so you can, you can yeah. be the one or I'm going to go to number three. And if three doesn't do it, I'm going to go to number four. And I would just pick apart market by market and I'd get all the right people. There's something awesome. to be said about breaking the call cycle, yes. right? People yes. are so used to, hi, this is insert name here with insert yes. company name yeah. here. How yeah. are you? Mm -hmm. When I was at Zillow cold calling, and I know this is com like complete throwback, I would cold call and say, hey, this is Chris Gianos. What's up? <laughs> right? I'm not kidding. I was 19 years old saying that stuff. And people yes. would be like, who? Wait, Wait what? How do I know you? Who yeah, you? Uh, yeah. Nothing. What's going on? And then I completely knee-jerk reaction is gone. And then I right. say, hey, listen, I've got 76034. Frisco, Texas is available. Yes. Right? Are you looking to do more business in that market? But it breaks the pattern. I love that's that. the same thing. Okay, ready? Next question. So... Um, how do you handle the situation of selling the value of your team, but not overselling it? Ooh. Who wants to go first? I don't think you sell it at all. I no, think, but, uh, but a lot of people do. Salespeople sell. Correct. But I think that I think that when you're showing you're showing the value, yes. you're not selling the value. Yes. I think that that in itself is just a mindset thing. So give me an example of how I value. show the value versus sell the value. Well, I think that in a lot of cases. This is what we offer. Right. Right. Featured dump. It's not about them. Yeah. It has to be about yeah. them. Okay. Right. So I think first you're asking the questions, figuring out what that yeah. point is that right. they need. And then you're saying, oh my gosh, well, we do blank and yes. we also do blank. So I yes. think you have to stop selling it for a second, know what your value is, yeah. figure out what their pain point is, right. and then be able to solve that pain point. Then you have them. Okay. I'm going to go uber tactical and then I'm going to come to you. Yeah. I think you open up your laptop and you say, we average X hundred leads or what, you know, whatever the number is, uh -huh. every single, so, 
So what do you think is the right number of leads, Emily, based on your time, your schedule, your life? I mean, how many, how many tours could you handle? How many showings could you handle like in a typical week or month? And I'm just like literally looking at mm -hmm. all of our that. leads coming in. I yeah. used to do that date. That was yeah. my party right. trick. Right. I think what ends up happening, I'm going to speak specifically to like team leaders for a second, right? Yeah. A lot of us are trying to do like lead arbitrage now. Buy leads, right. ZillowRealtor.com, OpCity, right. right. channel to agents, make money, it's fun, right? I think what ends up happening to Emily's point is people get in the habit of feature dumping. They're yes. like, I get yes. leads from Zillow, Realtor.com, OpCity, Ojo. They have this laundry list I of stuff. I have all the leads. I have all the leads. I have solved your problem. What's the general sentiment in the marketplace though about online leads? Do agents think online leads equal commission checks? Two out of a hundred, three out of a hundred, four out of a hundred, tire kickers. They think it's a know. waste of time. So when right. you say that stuff, they don't really understand the context or the value. Right. I always took the time, we were heavily on Zillow Flex, right? That was one of my primary catalysts for growth. I took the time to break it down and explain it, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the time, if you say I have Zillow leads, they're like, cool, I spent 500 bucks a month 10 years ago and I got nothing. Yeah. I'm like, let me tell you something. Imagine a world where a consumer goes on Zillow and they go through this funnel and blah, 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 long drawn out process. But I basically tell them how that consumer gets to them on the phone. Yeah. And they're sitting there afterwards with their jaw on the floor, like, wait, wait, what? That's how that works? I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, right? So I think if you're going to try and explain features, talk about the how, not the what right? Yeah. How a lead gets to them, what yes. that all looks like. Because when you get to that point, then the agent's not leaving the conversation going, I, I don't know where the, where the value is here. They really mm -hmm. understand it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. how, not the what. Okay. What are the biggest objections agents are giving today? Not just, just money, but we should talk money too. What are the biggest objections you guys are hearing and how are team leaders and brokers specifically overcoming them to get them to join? One of the things that I've heard quite frequently, because we have a lot of customers obviously in the space now, right? So I hear a lot of, I've got escrows open currently yep. and I don't want to, I don't want to leave. Yep. And I think that's as simple as like slowing it down sometimes with the agent. That's a fear driven objection, right? right? right. They're afraid they've got escrows open. They're not going to get paid. Mm -hmm. How often does that actually happen? Right. Where they don't, they they have escrows open over here and team lead doesn't want to pay them. It doesn't right. happen very often no. in the actuality. It might get drawn out a little bit, mm -hmm. but I think slowing down and, and really, again, explaining the how, not the what, right? right? How that's not really going to be a huge thing that's holding them up. So yeah. we've been hearing that one a lot. Um, and is it something as simple as if I can ensure that you get 100% of your commission out of that transaction and you're able to move and start putting more in escrow, Sure, would that be of interest that's to you? That's the yeah. answer, yeah. thousand percent. Mm-hmm. And, and again, now we, we both know, you know, being in the industry for a long time, there are certain companies that just, and they're like, nope, right? So it's not saying every company, mm -hmm. but, and, and those brokerages have their right to do what they want to do, but there is some of those, but I think it is narrow, but it is one of the reasons why. Yeah. hundred percent. We're hearing it pretty frequently. I think okay. one what thing else? comes to mind yeah. with that is like how you exit people is how you bring them in. Yes. I think it's really important to like, if we're just talking industry as a whole, yes. like, don't do that. Because your agents will hear that stuff by proxy and it right. just creates, well, if I leave, I'm going to get treated like this, right? right? So right. it almost leads to reasons to want to leave. Um, beyond that, I think something that's getting really big and in, in the space is like commission splits and stuff, right? Yep. Money. But in the sense of, it's like a he's, race to the he's bottom. He's 10 years in. It's getting big in the space <laughs> for my entire life. Yes. What I yes. Let me rephrase. Yes. What I mean in my naive brain no, is like uh, with team, le team leaders and stuff, I feel like in some of these markets, there's such a high concentration of really operationalized, big productive teams that like yep. the only thing they can compete on is commission almost. Yes. Right. So I think not leading with that is like a, a reason why someone should move is the key mm -hmm. to avoiding that objection. 
right? Mm-hmm. If all you can compete on is splits, someone's always going to beat you. Right. right? There's Talk always going to be always, space. Always. Mm-hmm. Race to the bottom business. Those yeah. are the two things I hear most frequently. What are you hearing? I think the um, escrows, right? Things mm-hmm. are under contract. That's probably number one. I think number two that I'm hearing is they may have, as, as, especially if it's a team, they may have a good relationship with uh-huh. someone else that's yes. on the team. Uh-huh. Or if it's an office, well, so-and-so covers for me when I go on vacation, uh-huh. that right. type of thing. So right. I think- Or they don't just want to hurt team leaders' feelings. Right. Or it's yeah. personal. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, it's totally yeah. personal. This mm-hmm. person's helped me out and done all these things for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you, how do you, that sounds like more of a condition, not so much as an objection. You know, well, should we interview your friend and, and have her join? There's her, the answer. Right? Like that's, that's where my brain answer. automatically goes. That's where Bring mine all, goes too. You know, yeah. right? Absolutely. Um, all right. So let's let's flip it. What do you guys? So so as much as we're talking recruiting, right? I'm going to be devil's advocate here. On the other side, there is natural attrition in the real estate industry. We went from 1.6 million agents five months in. We had lost 60,000 agents from the U.S., which means every three minutes and 47 seconds, an agent left the business. I love so how you know that math. Since we started this podcast, 14 more people have left the business. Sorry to um, hear that. Yeah. All right. I, listen, I have empathy for anybody that got yeah. their license and, and sold a couple houses and now they've decided to transition yeah. out because you know sure. I, I only wish them well. Um, with that said, uh, many of the teams and many of the brokerages, like I mentioned, Mike Hickman, Lisa Chinati is yep. another example. Every broker I talk to is, you look at um, what Mike Del Prete just put out and he said, I'm just going to rank every company based upon agent growth or agent decrease. And you know, I'm not going to name the companies that were decreased. If you've seen it, you can Google this and you see the companies that are growing. Um, attrition is a very real thing, right? How do you, ma- how do you maintain growth with attrition and not have it impact the culture? People come, people go, whether we like, it's, this industry churns at 2% a month. Yeah. You have me like 2% a month. They're just, they're gypsies. They're just moving But I think all the we time. have to fall on the sword as an industry. I think that that's unfortunate. I love that. Yeah. I think, Tell me more. Yeah. Emily and I were talking about this, right? Like I think having clear cut expectations mm-hmm. is like the key to the first part of this, right? Because people, when they don't meet expectation, yeah. they don't want to hang out if they know they're not doing well. Right. So you've got, I think there's two things. There's like good churn, bad churn, and preventable churn. Yes. Right. Yes. The good churn is the people that don't meet expectations exiting themselves. Right. The bad churn is you've got people that are producing that are leaving. The key is understanding why. Right. Right. And a lot of the time, from what I've seen, it's we see agents join brokerages for three primary things. Right. Leads, training, support in that order. We've pulled. Say that again a little slower. Leads, training, and support yeah. are the primary catalysts for change. Why people are joining brokerages. We know that because we polled 11,000 agents over the last 12 months, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we see is the most common thing. Subconsciously, those are conscious moves. The subconscious thing is they join or leave a leader, mm-hmm. right? Which is that it kind of plays into that fall on a sword thing. Right. You can't tell someone, hey, come work for me. I'm awesome, right? Or, hey, you should stay because I'm a good leader. Yeah. Your actions speak that. So that falling on the sword thing, I think, is super important, especially mm-hmm. right now. Yes. What did you mean by that? I think that as an it's unfortunate as an industry that yeah. we lose eighty six percent whatever first five yeah, years five that they're years. out of business. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that it goes back to the original conversation about the onboarding, about that first ninety days, making mm-hmm. sure that they're getting into action, leaning into them, making sure that they're getting the support, the training in the field, so on and so forth. I think we fail at that, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. Do, so do we? I mean, uh, yeah. let me let me counter that. So. Uh, there's 32 million businesses in the United States. Only like 4% of them do more than a million dollars a year in revenue. So mm-hmm. the vast majority of them are startup companies. Most fail at 90% in the first 10 years. And some of them that 
remain after 10 years doesn't mean the founder's making any money. It became a lifestyle business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, real estate is very much like that. I mean, there's there's these rock star professionals that are just second to none. And, you know, we love you. Keep up the good work. We love you. Keep up the good work. And then there's people that just want to come in and sell a house now and then. Yeah. So so I, I balance the maybe after three decades, like it would be nice. Like one of, one of my longtime friends, uh, shout out to Neil Schwartz, sold his company a couple of years ago. He and his wife, Debbie, uh, you know, playing pickleball every day in Newport beach. Now, like this beautiful retired life, hot pickleball is super hot. Pickleball is hot everywhere. But yeah. so Neil Schwartz decided a long time ago, back to value culture. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he basically said, if you don't want to work, you're not for me. And he's like, well, that's not really a sexy offer. So instead he, he basically created a theme and I'm paraphrasing here. He said, uh, we are a place where agents work. Like for agents that really want to work. Yeah. And That's his culture. So, so he would say mm-hmm. like, look, if you want to work, well, mm-hmm. what does work mean? Well, everybody here comes to the office every day. Everybody here kind of dresses for the show. Everybody here yep. goes to every meeting. Everybody here shows up to the training. Everybody here makes phone calls. Everybody here serves past clients. Everybody here picks three lead pillars. Like that's just how we do it around here. And if that's not your jam, that's okay. It's good okay. on you. It's okay. Let me recommend somewhere else that you can go. Right. Yeah. But but like it was, it was interesting to watch his company expand and then go into multiple markets and multiple cities, yep. LA and Orange County with that mantra. And yeah, he probably had to kiss a lot of frogs metaphorically to get there. But there was something to that because not that, you know, he is magical and mystical and had less attrition because everybody loses agents, but, but it was just apparent, like you kind of knew why they were leaving. I bet you there is some magic there, right? I think like building credibility as a leader like that. I don't know Neil personally, but he sounds like a very credible leader, right? You would dig him. Yeah. He's a good guy. Creating credibility as a leader, especially in the real estate space. It's not as simple as like educating the agents, right? There's, there's three degrees. I think to build credibility, it's you teach them something they don't know how to do. The most important part that people forget is you hold them accountable or create structure, structure. right? No one likes accountability, but structure, you create guardrails. structure, yes. guardrails, whatever it may be. You figure out a way for them to implement what you taught them. Mm-hmm. And then they see result. They might push back a little bit, but they see result as a byproduct of your coaching. And then guess what happens? Yeah. Credibility. Yeah. I want to run through a wall for that guy because he taught me something and pushed me to do it. Right. It's value. You have to show them value. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right. So rapid fire, biggest recruiting mistake you've ever made and what'd you learn from it? (laughs) One. I'm sure you got it. I'll go with my first one. Uh, Hiring people just on gut. I've done that. It didn't work. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Versus let's do a background check. Let's call some people. Yeah. Let's get some resources. Yeah. Let's like, like, let's, oh, they're a serial killer. Yeah. We yeah. probably should have done a background check. Uh-huh. Like kidding, not kidding. But like, so gut, friend only, uh, family, just because. Anybody with Horrible. a pulse, right? At, initially it was, yes. you know, you have to hire X amount of people to hit the goal in this, in this particular right. office. Just and it me, was, give me these numbers just give me dad. somebody with a pulse. Yep. And then it was like, whoa, what did I do now? A year later, I have to let go of them. Right. right? So right. that was probably the biggest mistake was for me yeah. was at the beginning, hiring anybody without, yep. a, yeah. without digging in. Without a standard, without a, you know, this is, this is how we do it around here. I got a good one. So in the beginning when we were, I was wearing all the hats, mm-hmm. right? So I was recruiter and sales manager and train all of it. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was so busy that I didn't have to let people know that I wasn't interested in moving forward with them, mm-hmm. right? So I always say, protect your reviews. Your Google <laughs> reviews page is super important. Right. I interviewed someone, it, it wasn't a fit is a nice way to put it, right? Yeah. I had a 15 minute conversation, rushed off the phone, said, hey, I'm gonna circle up with the rest of our leadership team, I'll get in touch. Never got in touch. He wrote a very nice glowing Google review for us. Yes. Uh, 
talking about his experience. I so, nice and glowing. It wasn't that positive. No, it was horrible. Yes. Right. Yes. And called me out by name and it was a really yeah. poor experience. Yeah. Lesson learned here is if you're not going to move forward with someone, just send them an email and let them know. Yeah. Right. We have a template now in Humanize specifically for that. And we coach yes. all our customers like you screen someone and they're not a fit. Just tell them because right. learn from my pain. Right. Correct. right. Thanks, but right. no thanks. And yeah. here's another option for you. Correct. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. My, my other one is, uh, you know, like like one chicken with a broken wing doesn't mean that that became successful means you should hire every chicken with a broken wing. Yeah. Right. Like the, the, the dime a dozen, whatever you want to call it. But like the number of times that my team has said, oh, but I know she's living in her car, but she's so dynamic. And I'm like, oh, are we going to hire only people that live inside their car? Now that someone's going to listen to me and say, that is horrible. Fill in the blank with whatever the story was. Yeah. But suddenly like, oh, we're, we're only in the business of helping people. Saving the world. Right? Like, no, you we're, we're, we're trying to. Mm-hmm. Earl Nightingale once grabbed my father. And my dad, my dad said to Earl, like, so if you don't know, you should Google Earl Nightingale, started the motivational yeah. speaking mm-hmm. industry, right? Uh, so literally my dad walked to him and says, Earl, I'm just so frustrated. He's like, Mike, well, you know, Mike, what's wrong? And he's like, my parents won't listen to the music. My, my parents won't listen to the records. My, my friends won't listen to your messages. And like, you, you've completely changed my thinking and changed my life. And I, I want everybody. And he said, we're not here to help the downtrodden. We are only here to help people that want to help themselves. Yep. And, he, and I remember my dad, my dad's told the story a thousand times. And, and he says, I sat there and said, I think my mentor and boss just told me that my parents and friends and family member are downtrodden because they won't listen. But, but the message was, look, if the horse is unwilling to go to the stall to get yeah. the food, you can't keep walking over and saying, I'm going to feed you. You got to find people with some ambition. They yeah. want to move forward. Like, this is how we do it around here. Mm-hmm. And like, Made that mistake yeah. way too many times. I made that mistake too. I couldn't, the hardest leadership lesson was yeah. I wanted it for them more than they wanted yep. it for themselves. 100%. I think as that a, was beating my head I think against as a leader, wall. we all go through that, right? Yeah. We, we want to save the world. I remember when we first started getting really cracking, right? 50, yeah. 60 agents. I, thought, I was like, I'm king of the world, right? Yes, yes. I remember calling my broker Elmer, right? Yeah. And I was really upset. One of the agents left and I was mm-hmm. like borderline and I took it so personal, right? I'm yeah. like, I, it, they left and it's my fault and blah, blah, blah. He's like, Chris, you can't save the world. Yeah. You can't save everyone. Yeah. And yeah. now anytime, I still take it personal, right? Business yeah. is a, a deeply ingrained in, in what I'm doing. When stuff happens like that, I just think back. I'm like, you can't save everyone, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's okay. It's part right. of the journey. You yeah. just learn from it. That's and the key I, is learning from it. You right now listening, You, if you were sitting right here, you would tell us three more stories, correct? Yeah. So we all have these stories. I think the the lesson is I don't care what business I've ever invested in, okay, what business I've ever run, every SaaS business, every sales business, it's this simple. If your new people are more than the ones that are churning out, you are winning. Yep. And the second this is here and this is here, your business is in trouble, right? Like it's it's just that simple. So you have to understand like people come and go. Like I tell people all the time inside my organization, I'm not going to be your last CEO. I just want to be one of your favorites. Yep. Right? Like you're here for a short amount of time on this planet. I would love for you to be with me for a long time, but come contribute, be a part of the experience. And then if it's time for you to move on, move on. There's that and saying. And that's okay. And that's okay. Like it's like that we are in, especially in today's environment, we are in an environment where people are displacing themselves everywhere all the time. And, and too many people take it personally. I think now more than ever with the state of the world, yep. that old saying that's been, I don't know how long it's been around, but it's not. It's not personal, it's business. Right. I think that is more important now than it's ever been. Right. All right. So 
I think we covered just about every question because I'm looking at all of these, but, but let's just, let's summarize it. Uh, this world, this business, real estate, always and forever is about one thing, attracting talent. Attracting talent, attracting talent, attracting talent. If you don't have enough attraction, we should publish the list of the 14, right? You could probably Google what are 14 different ways and it's probably already out there because I'm sure we did a blog on it. Um, you should absolutely check out Humanize. What's the website? www.humanize.io. I love that you started with www. Yes. <laughs> you didn't mean http forward slash forward slash dot the case. Right. Yes. Um, and thank you for watching this. And whether you're a team leader, whether you're you know thinking about going into management or you're a leader, you're a senior leader, maybe pass this along to a few people. There had to be six or seven nuggets inside here that you took away. And remember, ideas are meaningless unless we take action. So thank you, thank you, and thank you for watching the show. We'll see you on the next one. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.